You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. This is a world described from the bottom up where every person is is welcome at the table. Every person is on a throne and every person's voice is heard and every person's story is valued. Every person's experiencing uh, worth. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 241 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our various works of of resistance, of survival, of liberation, reparation, and, and transformation. Our title this week is You Will Judge 12 Tribes of Israel. And uh, it, again, it comes from the Q Scholarship. The, the, this is actually our last saying this week. We finally come to the end of Sang's Gospel Q. This is the last saying in that hypothetical document, and uh, the, the feature text is Sang's Gospel Q 22, 28 through 30. You who have followed me will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Our companion text from Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging 12 tribes of Israel. Luke 22, 28 through 30, uh, you are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, in the book of Judges, judges were were liberating revolutionaries in, in the Jewish literature. And in this week's saying, the judging here, it indicates uh, governance. It's it's an oversight. Uh, the, the ancient Hebrew hope was, was again, not that, that uh, it wasn't the same hope as many sectors of Christianity today. Many Christians, they have their hearts fixed on, on one day becoming some disembodied soul on some distant clouds, some distant realm of, of heavenly bliss. But the ancient Hebrews, they were more concerned with this life than they were with an afterlife. And they hoped that, that someday Messiah would come and that all oppression, all injustice, all violence uh, in the earth would be put right. And our saying this week reflects this earthly hope. What also strikes me about this week's saying is the use of the word thrones. Now, few other words for me would seem more out of harmony with the ethical teachings that we've looked at in the gospel so far. Just two verses earlier, we find these words in Luke 22, 25 through 26. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. There's that, that throne imagery. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. And I, like some of you, I'm not interested in thrones. I'm not interested in another person on a throne, being on a throne over me, and I'm not interested in in one for myself over others. What I do resonate with uh, are are more egalitarian, democratic, non-hierarchical, voluntary, voluntary, Voluntary 
non-coercive forms of organizing human communities together. And as I've often remarked in this series over and over, um, one of Jesus's most foundational solutions to the individualism that we face in our society today is community. His community is is not one where where someone sits on a throne and, and others bow. It's a community where we, we take responsibility for taking care of each other. And as I, I, I contemplated this week's saying a bit further, it actually hit me. Jesus doesn't use a singular word throne here. He uses the plural word thrones. Now, the idea behind this saying, it could have been more akin to the model that we find in in Deuteronomy, where the Hebrew men were to choose uh, some wise and understanding and respected men uh, from each of your tribes. And it says, and I, Moses, will, will set them over you. So the men in the story, they did just that. The men there, they they cho- they chose uh, men who were appointed to have authority over the people at large, as Deuteronomy 1, 13 through 15 says, as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and of, as tribal officers. The Gospel of Matthew seems to agree uh, with this model in that it mentions 12 specific thrones for 12 disciples, uh, 12 male disciples over 12 Jewish tribes. But in Luke, we get a, a different image for this word thrones. It, it, it's not one that's limited to a hierarchical 12. In Luke, these thrones are associated with eating and drinking and having a seat at Jesus's table, not just 12. Jesus didn't invite just two. He didn't just eat with 12 men. Um, and, and this calls us to consider Jesus's table fellowship in the gospel of Luke. Luke 5, 29 through 30, it says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their, their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In Luke 14, 12 through 14, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Luke 15, 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus shares a table with people who faced religious, political, and economic exclusion every day and were pushed to the margins or the underside of, of their society. John Sabrino, in his book, Jesus the Liberator, this is page 168 through 170, he, he's referring to how religion is used the same today. He says the name of God is used as religious justification for oppressing others, and this is what must be unmasked. It's not difficult then to understand Jesus's anger at the way religious people manipulated his God. And maybe here's the place to think about the manipulation of theology. It's ideologizing role in tolerating, not to mention encouraging the oppression of others in the name of God. When piety is used to go against creatureliness, religion becomes an oppressive mechanism. The creator who comes in conflict with creatures is a false god, and false gods make even pious inhuman. So Jesus welcomed to the table 
uh, those who were being denied a place there. Shirley Chisholm, who, who in 1968 became the first black woman in the U.S. Congress, she often chided, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And she, she being, quote unquote, unbought and unbossed, she was a force to be reckoned with in, in, in the New York City uh, 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 district that she, where, where she advocated for disenfranchised people in her, in her district during her, her 14 years there in Congress. And we see the same solidarity with people who face various forms of oppression in, in, in the Jesus of the Gospels. Jesus associates with the marginalized, and he seats them at a table where they are, they're welcome to eat and drink. And, and in Luke, he also gives them thrones. Luke describes many thrones, and it's an image I think that would make much more sense if we're called to care for each other. Each one of us has a responsibility to care for one another. Each of us, in our own way, we sit on a throne from which we set in motion the, the kind of world that we will all experience collectively together. Today we might use the word democracy, but in Luke, we, we don't find a king on a throne. We find people on many thrones, and, and they're together determining a world where the meek are not walked over and where the poor are given the kingdom and the hungry are fed and, and poverty is eliminated. Take a look at Acts 4.34. This is a world described from the bottom up where every person is is welcome at the table. Every person is on a throne and every person's voice is heard and every person's story is valued. Every person's experiencing uh, worth in, in that context. Our, our society, it still associates the seat of the table with power today. And one of the reasons people are excluded from the table in our society is to limit their say in the kind of world that those in power are shaping for the rest of us. And take the history of voting and the United States as an example. Originally, only men who owned property were allowed to vote. And Thomas Paine, who was he was one of the earliest voices stating that this wasn't right and that the vote should, should also include those who did not own property too. And eventually, white women won the ability to vote. And, and we still see efforts to exclude people of color uh, from voting today. But if history teaches us anything, it's that those whom we exclude today those are the ones that we'll seek to exterminate tomorrow. Whatever world we create out of that exclusive table, uh, table, it will invariably be unsafe or unjust and heartless for those not allowed to sit at the table from the start. And consider the, the vote again. The U.S., out of all the, the many-throned or, or democratic nations uh, that exist on the globe, the U.S. has the lowest voter turnout. We don't have a holiday so that working people can vote. Um, and there's numerous other methods that are made to, other efforts that are made to intrinsically limit who gets a say. Noam Chomsky, who many of you are familiar with, he's repeatedly stated over and over over the last few years that the poorest 70% of society is literally quote-unquote disenfranchised. They're, they're, he says their political representatives simply pay no attention to them so that it doesn't matter what they think. This is a plutocracy, not a democracy. As you move up the income scale, you get a little, better influ more, a little bit more influence. When you get to the very top, 
stop. That's where policies are made. And, and this helps explain why most of the economic gains over the past three de decades in America have gone to the top 1%. Uh, the number of those who, who get a throne or a seat at the table or a say in how things operate in, in this context, even though we call it democracy, it's very limited. The top 1% are the ones that are making the decisions. And our saying this week, it tells us that another world is possible, that there can be thrones uh, for everyone. People, can, Everyone's invited to the table, even anarchists who are anti-hierarchy. They, they believe that social society should have some form of voluntary organization. And our, our challenge as trying to follow, trying to implement teachings of Jesus and see how they apply today is to shape a, a society that reflects a set of values that shape our world into a safe compassionate, just home for us all. It's a world where each of us has a seat at the table, regardless of our ability, our age, our race, our gender, our orientation, our gender identity or expression. Each of us seated at the table, each person having a say in the world that we're creating, all with a, all the time, all, all while we're there around this table, all of us practicing a preferential option for the most vulnerable that are among us. And, and in this world, there are we, what we find is is self-determining thrones that uh, are are open for for everyone. Again, sings Gospel Q. 22, 28, and 30, you who have followed me will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Heart group application this week. Last summer, I had the pleasure of meeting Reverend Otis Moss III of Trinity United Church of Christ and there in Chicago. And each week, this historic community, if you're not familiar with this community, I'm going to give you a link in this week's e-site so you can look them up. Um, they send out a weekly email devotional. And this past week's devotional, it moved me pretty deeply. It's a reminder of the importance of community. And it begins with the African proverb, if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it continues, this is their words, one of the greatest tragedies of our time is that we live in an individualistic culture that teaches us that our ultimate value is not in what we give to the world, but in what we have and what we achieve. Our value must be derived from individual hard work, persistence, and determination. Then, along our path, we find that this is a myth. We discover that we need others, and that to go far, we must travel together. We all have the sacred responsibility to support one another. We all share the divine responsibility of ensuring that everyone in our community is growing, thriving, and prospering. So I want to share with you Trinity UCC's prayer this week um, and their weekly action with you as well, because I think that they have intrinsic value for you as a heart group also. So number one, for the next seven days, I want you to take time each day and just pray this very simple but profound prayer. It says, Lord, help us to realize that our lives are dependent on each other. Help us to use the gifts you've given us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Amen. Just a very simple prayer, but a profound one. And I want you to journal while you do this each day how this prayer 
begins to change your focus throughout the week. And and then number two, share with your heart group when you come back together how this prayer actually did impact your week. And then number three, lastly, this is from their their weekly devotional. Um, Their action point is find an organization that is engaged in work that you feel is important and join them. It's that simple. Do this in your your local community and and, and share with your heart group what you are experiencing by, by doing this. Remember, another world is possible. Keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Thanks for checking in with us this week. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.